so here we are. We have spent two weeks looking at what it means for us to be blessed. And it's been a great conversation over the last couple weeks, and we're going to go back and talk about that today. But let me just say this, you know, if you're watching, if this has been helpful, take a minute and share this and help other people find the help that you found. Because I think this series, talking about blessing in particular, is so helpful and relevant to where we are in our culture today, uh, that if it helps you, it can help somebody else. Uh, What we've kind of said over the last two weeks is this, is that being blessed doesn't always look like we assume, right? And that's where we started the first week. When we think of blessing, we think of physical health, we think of financial prosperity, we think of relational fulfillment, emotional, mental peace, maybe a spiritual anointing, but all of those things are circumstantial. And what we saw that first week is that our blessings are not circumstantial, or at least not just circumstantial. For those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, our blessings go far beyond our circumstances. See, being blessed, and we said this in the very first week, has little to do with our circumstances, and it has everything to do with knowing Jesus and being known by him. So week one, that was a huge perspective shift, right? Like your blessings are not because of your circumstances, they're in spite of your circumstances. We ended with that thought that you can have everything the world has to offer, uh, land, wealth, health, plenty, prosperity, but if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're never going to know what it is to be uh, truly blessed. And so then last week, we shifted gears and we talked about how we respond to that blessing. And it was harder than we ever realized. When we respond to blessing, Paul told us that we are to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. And and that doesn't seem too difficult. But when we understand exactly how Paul said we're to do those things, it gets infinitely harder. Because Paul says that we are to rejoice always, to pray constantly, and to give thanks in every circumstance. And so what starts out is like three really good habits, rejoice, pray, and give thanks, turned into three impossible commands that we rejoice always, that we pray constantly, that we give thanks in every circumstance. And where we landed is this, is that the only way that we can get there, the only way that we can do this the way that Paul says we should, is that we've got to get our eyes off of our circumstances and on to Jesus. We've got to quit looking at the physical health, the financial prosperity, the relational fulfillment. Quit looking at all those circumstantial things and get your eyes on Jesus who never changes. And when we do, when we do get our eyes off of our circumstances, when we quit feeling blessed and realize because of Jesus we are blessed, then we can rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks and everything. But today, as we kind of wind this down, we're going to push it a little bit farther. What we're going to see today in just the few minutes we're going to spend together is that our being blessed doesn't really have as much to do with us as we think. That our being blessed has to go far beyond ourselves. And that's a difficult thought, right? Because as American Christians living in 2021, we are really just prone to think about ourselves first and foremost in everything. And I don't think that we're totally at fault in that because the world, the culture that we live in is constantly telling you to think about you, your wants, your needs, your dreams, your desires. And as Christians, we're not immune to that. I think we are very prone to think of our Christian walk in very uh, 
individualistic ways as well. Think about it. We do our devotions. We have our quiet time. We go to our church and listen to our pastor give us a message to help us in our Christian walk. We spend time with our family. We spend time in our small group. We may interact with Christians, but then we get up and go to our jobs. Now listen, those things aren't bad. Don't don't hear me tell you that those things are wrong and you shouldn't think about those things. You shouldn't enjoy those things. No doubt that quiet time with the Lord, the church you attend, the, the friends and family that you do life with, all of these things are blessings from God and they should be enjoyed. But here's the thing. Because you have been blessed by God, the way that you think of every area of your life should change. All of these things should not be just individualistic thoughts anymore because you have been blessed as a follower of Jesus. You should be distinctly marked by a desire to bless others in every circumstance. You are blessed to be a blessing. That's really what we're going to talk about today. That's the big idea that we're trying to get across is that you are blessed to be a blessing. You are not here to earn God's love. You're here because you have God's love and now you show God's love to those around you. This idea of being blessed to be a blessing, it's not a new idea. It didn't come up with, uh, I didn't come up with it. It's not something unique to us as a church. Matter of fact, this idea of being blessed to be a blessing goes all the way back to the very beginning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open them up to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, If you're looking on your phone and watching on your iPad or vice versa, pull it up, Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at three short verses. And what we see in Genesis is this. God has created the world, sin entered the world, and broke that perfect creation, ultimately culminating with God using a global flood to wipe sin off the earth and really restart over. And now in Genesis chapter 12, we see God zeroing in on one man, one family who would become one nation, and that God would use that man, that family, and that nation to take his plan to the world. That man's name was Abram, and this is what we read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. This is an amazing and pivotal moment inside of the biblical narrative. Here God is, who has seen his creation wrecked by sin, who kind of wiped the slate clean with a global flood, who's now starting over with one man and one family with his plan for the world. And that man's name is Abram. And this is what he says, his call to Abram's plane. He says, leave your country, leave your family, leave your friends, leave your house, and go to a land that I will show you. 
I don't know about you, but that is an incredibly intimidating thought to me. That's an intimidating thought to think that God could come and say, hey, get up, go, and we're out of here. And, you know, maybe in our, you know, very spiritual minds, we like to say, oh, yeah, I would do that if God called me to come and go. But really, it's, it's hard to leave home, isn't it? Matter of fact, the southeastern United States have more people that live within 30 miles of their hometown than anywhere else in the country. In our part of the world, it's really hard to get get up, go and leave. But that's exactly what God called Abram to do. He said, get up, go and leave, and I'll take you to a land I'm going to show you. This divine directive was absolutely a challenge to Abram's faith. He had to trust a God he could not see, go to a place that he had never been, and trust God to lead him along the way. Just think of how uncertain all of this is. He was to leave all that he knew for a place that he'd never seen. And here's the thing. We know on the other side of the biblical narrative that God is going to give this land to Abram and his descendants. But at this point in Genesis 12, Abram, he doesn't know that. God had not even told him at this time that he was going to give him this new land. When he tells him to get up and go, he says, I'm just going to show it to you. But after this divine directive, after this call and challenge of faith, a gracious promise comes in. And the Lord gives a promise to accompany his call. This promise has two different dimensions going on. The first one is this. First, God promised that he was going to give Abram a great family. And this was important because we know at other places in Scripture that Abram uh, desired a family, but he had no heir, he had no children, and he was advanced in years, he and his wife. And God is going to promise that Abram would become Abraham, which means father of many nations, and God was going to give Abram a great family, a great nation. Look at what he says. He says, I will make you, in verse 2, into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So, so that, that's the first thing. The, the uh, scholars have called this a, a promise of a nation, uh, a promise of a legacy. But what God has promised Abram here is that his descendants would be great in number and they would be great in importance and their help to fulfill God's plan here on earth. And for that reason, Abram's name would be great. He's going to have a large number, they're going to have a large importance, and God's going to use them to fulfill his plan. But see, the second dimension of this promise goes a little bit further. God spoke to Abraham and his personal relationship uh, with God. And really, he blesses Abraham, or he really speaks of a um, fourfold blessing. Let's look at it that way. So, so the first part is this. God would bless Abraham. And if you were, you know, the Lake City campus the first week, I talked about the idea that the Old Testament blessing was a lot more circumstantial than the New Testament idea of blessing. So when God says he's going to bless Abraham, I do think there's a circumstantial aspect here, but there's also a relational aspect here that God is going to bless him because he's going with him. He's going to be with him. He's going to lead him and he's going to guide him. So the first promise is that he's going to bless him. And the second promise is he's going to, God is going to bless those who bless him. So all of those who treated Abraham kindly, who were good to him, who stood by him, who did right by him, God was going to bless those people. So he's going to bless Abraham. He was going to bless those that blessed Abraham. But then the reverse of that is true. 
he would going to curse those who did not bless Abraham, those who did not act kindly to Abraham. And then thirdly, because of this, Abram was going to be a blessing to others, right? So God's going to bless Abram. He's going to bless those who bless him, curse those who curse him. And because of this, Abram is going to be a blessing to others. And then finally, fourth, ultimately, all the families of the earth would be blessed through Abram. That's what he says there, right? All the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And this is kind of the hinge moment of the Old Testament and how God's plan for redemption begins to unfold because from this time forward, Abram, Abraham he will be, and his descendants are going to be mediators between the world and God. They are going to to be mediators of a blessing that is going to be poured out on the nations and this blessing was going to flow through them. And we know that the ultimate fulfillment of this blessing to all nations, families, and peoples was the blessing of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sent to save people from their sins. Paul says this very clearly, if you want to look it up in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, that Jesus is the fulfillment of Abraham blessing all the nations of the earth. Why? Because he came from Abraham's legacy and family. So that may seem like a lot. Maybe you're a history nerd and you're like, hey, that's interesting. Maybe you're a Bible nerd and it's helping you put pieces together. But what you need to see, no matter what, is that this covenant right here in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, this call of Abraham has implications throughout the rest of the entire Bible. But what I want us to look at for our part today is that the reason why God blesses Abraham in this covenant is so that he will in turn be a blessing to others. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Now here's the deal. You are not Abraham. Don't like overly read yourself into the story. Like I think sometimes we read ourselves too much into the stories and we put ourselves in the shoes of Abraham, of David, of Elijah. We put ourselves in these shoes and it can seem overwhelming. You're not Abraham, so don't oversee yourself there. But this idea of blessed to be a blessing surely does mean something for you and I here today. Just as Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, you and I are blessed to be a blessing. It was true for him. It's true for you. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, you are called to be a blessing to others, not merely to hog all of your blessings for yourself. Again, we know that the ultimate fulfillment of that blessing was Jesus. Again, Genesis, or Galatians 3.8. But this theme of blessed to be a blessing continues all throughout Scripture. Matter of fact, Paul picks up on this theme of blessed to be a blessing, and he uses it inside of the New Testament. Uh, this is what Paul teaches the church in Corinth. If you have a Bible, you can look it up, maybe take a note, look at it later. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul says this, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now look at this, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
So now the word blessing is not there, but the principle surely is, right? What is Paul teaching the Corinthian church? If you have been comforted by God, it is so that you can in turn comfort others when they need it. And how are you going to comfort them with the same comfort that you've experienced from God? That's the point. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are comforted so that you can comfort. It's true of Abraham. It's true of the church in Corinth. It's true of you and I. Even beyond that, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. A few chapters later, Paul brings it up again. He says, you will be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Man, that is, that is so good, right? He said, you will be enriched. Why? So that you will be generous. You are going to be enriched so that you can be generous. You will be blessed so that you can be a blessing. Why do we want to be a blessing? Because when we bless others, when we are generous to others, Paul says it will produce ultimately thanksgiving to God. Put it this way. Let's just put it simply, right? Blessings come from God. They flow from God, but they should never stop with us. Blessings come from God. They flow to us, but they should not stop with us. They should flow through us. That's what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. They flow through us, not just to us. I love how Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite pastors of uh, modern times, said, Adrian Rogers said it like this. He said, you cannot obey God without your obedience spilling out in a blessing to all those around you. I love that. that. That makes sense, right? Because if we are walking in relationship with Jesus, being blessed by him, having this blessed relationship where we rejoice always, where we pray constantly, where we give thanks in every situation, then that obedience is going to spill out in blessing to everybody around us. All right? So let's start zooming in. Let, let's start kind of focusing down. And, and let me just throw this idea out. Okay, nobody is blessed by accident. Do you ever think about that? Like we talk about, you know, I'm blessed, hashtag blessed, circumstances. I'm blessed, I know Jesus, that goes beyond my circumstance. No matter what you're thinking about, here's the idea. Nobody is blessed on accident. Nobody is blessed by accident. If God has blessed you, it's for a purpose. If God has blessed you, there's a reason behind it. If God has blessed you, that purpose, that reason is not secret. He has blessed you so that you would in turn be a blessing to others in your life. So anytime you catch yourself saying, man, I'm blessed, I want you to remember nobody's blessed on accident. You're blessed to be a blessing. Man, God just blessed me this week. Nobody's blessed by accident. You're blessed to be a blessing. I just have such a great family. I'm so blessed. Nobody's blessed by accident. You're blessed to be a blessing. Now, 
I, I think that, that we got to, you know, talk a little more specifically about this, right? Because there is the idea here of circumstantial blessing that while we have understood for two weeks our blessings go beyond that, we can't say that blessings is less than that, right? There are circumstantial blessings. There are times in your life where things happen where you would say, I am blessed. And I think that it is in those moments that we need to remember nobody's blessed on accident and then we need to in turn be a blessing to others. Maybe the greatest picture of this is what we already read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 when we think of generosity. If you have been blessed by the Lord financially, then you are to be a blessing to others. That's the principle you see in 2 Corinthians. That's the principle that Jesus taught. Yes, it means that we are generous. If you have been blessed with time, you should use that time for others, be a blessing to others. So yes, if there's circumstantial life, uh, or circumstantial blessings in your life, you should use them as much as you can to be a blessing to others. But we've said now for two weeks that our blessing is not dependent on those circumstances, Right? Our blessing may not be less than that, but it is more than that. Our blessing isn't dependent on the circumstances we find ourselves in. So our blessings to others should not be either. This is so important because sometimes we don't see the blessings that are right in front of us. Even when we are blessed, we said last week, we don't feel blessed. And if we wait to feel blessed through our circumstances, we are not going to be regularly a blessing to others. So what we have to do is build the habit of blessing others in our life regardless of life circumstances. It's not about feeling blessed. It's about knowing we are blessed. And because of that, we are going to be a blessing to others. And if we know that the greatest blessing we have, not dependent on life circumstances, is that God is with us and for us, then one of the greatest ways we can be a blessing to others in our life is simply to be with and for them. So what does that look like, right? What does it look like to be with others? What does it look like to be for others in the same way that Jesus has been with and for us? Well, Dave Ferguson, who is the founding and current pastor of Community Christian Church in Chicago, he's also uh, the primary leader of the New Thing Network, he uses the acronym BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, to talk about and help us remember how we can be a blessing being with and for others. So as we begin to close out this series, let me encourage you, lock in get practical, learn what we're fixing to say, make a decision to bless others. So this is what Dave Ferguson says, B-L-E-S-S, what does it look like to bless others? B, begin with prayer. If you truly want to bless others in your life, it's got to start with prayer. What you've got to do is you've got to spend time asking God, God, how do you want me to bless the people and the places that you have sent me to? I think that's important because God opens up our eyes to the people that he sent our way as we pray. As we pray, God opens up our eyes to our communities and we begin to see things, but it's got to start here, right? B, begin with prayer. L, listen. Now, this is going to be hard, but don't talk. Learn to listen to the people that God has placed in your life. 
learn to listen to their struggles, learn to listen to their pain, learn to listen to their problems, listen to the people that God has sent your way. And maybe that's a blessing in and of itself, right? Is that we would just take time to listen. And, and if I'm just being honest, man, this is so hard for me because when I have conversations with people, I want to share a story where I went through something similar. I want to try and make connections with, hey, oh, you did this, I did this, you know them, I know this person, and try and build those connections. And I find myself struggling to bless others sometimes just by sitting back and listening, letting them tell their story. And then as we listen, I love what E is, B, begin with prayer, L, listen, E, eat. As we listen, we take time to eat and build a relationship with them. Now you say, so that eat, Chip, that's symbolic? No, no, it's not symbolic. It literally means eat. You can't just check this off the box. This is not a quick, easily, quickly done thing. You need to take time to sit down to have a meal, to have a cup of coffee with the people that you are trying to bless. Why? Because it builds relationships right? Like, like our blessings are not circumstantial. Our blessings, what it means to be blessed is grounded in this relationship with Jesus, to know him and to be known by him, for him to be with and for us. And so if we truly want to be a blessing to people in our lives, it has to come with making relationship a priority. Begin in prayer, take time to listen, and then eat, share meals, share coffees, share life, build a relationship. B, begin in prayer. L, listen. E, eat. S, serve. If you listen to people, if you eat with them and build a relationship, people will tell you how you can love them and serve them. It's not a secret. I think this is one of the things that the church just really misses sometimes. We get in our mind what it looks like for us to serve our community because we have a list of community service projects that we do. And really, those things are good, but oftentimes they don't move the needle that much. What would it look like if we took time to serve people the way they told us they needed to be served? What would it look like if we sought to bless people the way that they needed, not just the way that was most easy and easy and convenient for us? Begin with prayer, listen, eat, And then as you eat, build a relationship, listen, they will tell you how you can truly serve them in a way that makes a difference in their life. And then the final S, right, B-L-E-S-S, is story. When the time is right, when you have built the relationship, when you've listened to their pain, when you've been praying over it and serving them in meaningful ways, there will be time where you will have an open door to tell your story of how Jesus changed your life, share the story of who he is and what he's done and how he can change theirs. Because the greatest way that you can bless people in your life is by sharing the gospel of Jesus with them. Inviting them to church, great. Helping serve them, fantastic. Building relationships, I'm proud of you. But don't stop there. The greatest blessing we can give to others is to show them how they can know and be known by Jesus in the same way that we have. So bless. Begin with prayer. Listen. Eat. Serve. Story. If we get in the habit of doing these things, regardless of life circumstances, we can be a blessing to people in our communities, in our schools, at our jobs, in our families. We can bless people that God has placed around us.
So I wanna ask you this as we close this series. What's stopping you from doing that? You are blessed. We have talked about that for two weeks. You are not blessed because of what's going on around you. You're blessed in spite of what's going on around you. Because if you know Jesus and have a saving relationship with him, that's a blessing that life cannot give and death cannot steal away. But you're not blessed on accident. God blessed you so that you could be a blessing to others. And what's it going to take for you to decide right now, today, that you're actually going to do that? You're not just going to go about business as usual this week, but that you are going to actively seek to be a blessing to people in your life. Because here's what I believe. When we all get to that place, when that switch flips, there's no telling what God can do with our church. Lake City, Live Oak, Ocala, wherever you are in your community right now, that when we realized we're blessed to be a blessing, Nobody's blessed on accident and God has you where you are, when you are, so that you can bless people in your area of influence. I believe that we can help move the needle of lostness in our communities. So let's end with a time of prayer, praying that God would convict our hearts and use us in a mighty way. Let's pray. God, thank you for the time that you've given us today to look uh, at your word, God, to look at what it means to be a blessing to others in our lives. And God, I know so often I get so wrapped up in whatever, whether I feel blessed or not. And when I don't, I don't find it easy to make time to be a blessing to others. But God, I pray that you would help me to make being a blessing to others a priority in my life. And I pray that for my friends who are watching online right now, God, that they would take time, they would make the decision decision, that they would make a priority to be a blessing to others, that they would love them, build relationship with them, serve them well, and ultimately come to the place where they can introduce them to a saving relationship with you. God, I pray that you would use us. God, I pray you would use our church to push back the kingdom of darkness and impact lostness here in our communities. God, we're here because there are still so many people who don't know you as Savior. God, help us to help change that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.